Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show, Psalm 69, verse 2. God, come to our assistance. Lord, make haste to help us. By the way, this is also the month of, uh, as Catholics, where we celebrate the Immaculate Heart of Mary. We devote ourselves to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. But we've got a great show, Terry. Oh, I'm reporting boy. for duty. I'm sure you are, too. Jesse, I'm reporting to duty. Stephen Mosner, I go back when he was a convert to the Catholic faith 30 or 40 years ago with Father Paul Marks at Human Life International, and I've seen Stephen's career grow, and I've seen his political incorrectness, and that's one of the reasons we have birds of the feather flocking together. He's going to be talking about his new book with us uh, from a politically incorrect a guide to the pandemic, and he's an expert on China. And I, you know, I'm just excited when we get him on. We'll let us uh, the, the engineer can let us know. But this is going to be very educational for all of our listeners to get straight talk regarding China and the pandemic. So, Steve Mosher, before he comes on, yeah. he's the first expert to sound the alarm on COVID's lab origins. That's right. He's urging Americans to follow the corruption and look closely into the history of our world's most destructive pandemics. These deadly plagues have ripped across the globe for centuries and always will. However, most people don't know that virtually every plague in history, from the Black Death to smallpox to the Hong Kong <laughs> flu, originated in China. Surprise, surprise. And everything is documented in Steve Mosher's yep. book, The Politically Incorrect Guide to Pandemics. He's the president of the Population Research Institute. He's also a leading authority on China. He reveals the widely promoted falsehoods and politically incorrect narratives, not just about COVID-19, but about several global pandemics across history. And in this in his this newest book of his, Politically Incorrect Guide, in the series, Steve Mosher, he uncovers the origin of these pandemics from the Chinese pox to the Spanish flu <laughs> to the COVID-19, all of which originated in China. And another interesting thing about, about uh, Stephen Mosher, back in the late 70s, he went to China, okay, and he was doing his dissertation, and he exposed the one-child policy and made it public. The Chinese didn't want him to do that. They were so influential, Jesse, and you probably know this, that when he wanted to get his Ph.D., the Chinese government interfered and convinced the people in America not to give it to him because of his disobedience in China, exposing the evils that were going on. So he's been exposing problems with China for 40-some years. No wonder why they, they don't like him, because he keeps pointing out the errors of communism, Jess. That's right. Yeah, so Steve Mosher, again, he's a, he's the president of the Population Research Institute. He's a leading authority on China. Steve Mosher knows China as few Westerners do. He's exposed them as a visiting scholar. Their, their monstrance practice of forced abortions, forced sterilizations. He's, he's been whistleblowing on these guys for decades. He became the target of the communist regime's crushing retaliation, just like you said, Terry. Yeah. He's got an encyclopedic grasp of China's history and its present-day politics, his astute insights and his bracing realism are the perfect antidote for the dangerous confusion of many Americans about the nature of the Chinese Communist Party and its designs on the world. Their designs that they were that were advanced by unleashing a pandemic. He's the author of several books on China. One of them is called 
bully of Asia. Yep. Why China's Dream is a New Threat to the New World Order. He's got another book called Journey to the Forbidden China. Uh, he's got another one called A Mother's Ordeal, One Woman's Fight Against China, One Child Policy. He has another book called Population Control, Real Costs, Illusory Benefits, Broken Earth. Another book called The Rural Chinese, China Misperceived. Another book called American Illusions and Chinese Reality and China Attacks. He frequently testifies before Congress as an expert on China. And he publishes in the New York Post, LifeSite News, and the Epic Times. We're waiting for the engineer to bring on Steve Mosher. Terry, is he on yet? Well, he's not on yet. So, yeah, Steve Mosher, once again, um, he's one of the leading authorities on China, especially in the Catholic Church. I don't know anybody in the Catholic Church that knows more about China than Stephen Mosher. Again, he holds an advanced degree in the biological sciences. uh, And he, in his book, he explodes the widely promoted falsehoods and politically correct narratives about the COVID-19 pandemic. And with expert insight, as we bring him onto the show today, he's going to reveal at least five things that we're going to broach today in his new book, The Politically Incorrect Guide to Pandemics. And Jesse, we're having issues. I went into the studio mm-hmm. for some technical problems, but I, I do want to, uh, so, well, so we're not sure if we're going to get him, but I would say this. He can call in, Terry. Just he can call him. in. That's what they're emailing. And yeah, they're they're trying to get desperately any way we can do it. But he also points out that this... Um, Genetically engineered COVID virus was deliberately leaked from the lab. And that's what he said to LifeSite News not so long ago. And he talks about that new book, you know, Politically Incorrect Guide to Pandemics. And he shares how the communist China purposely tricked the U.S. and other na- nations into tanking, to, uh, their, e- t- you know, tanking their economics and chasing after the zero COVID. And so... This was really uh, very interesting. I'm hoping we can get him on. But uh, his book, Politically Incorrect Guide to Pandemics, share how the communist China purposely tricked us. And uh, also it points out, oh, I think, do we have a Mr. Engineer? No, they're still working. Okay. He, his book really exposes the whole uh, Chinese party and what they did and what they've always done and spreading this virus. And Jesse even actually talks about in 2015, our government found a document that shows that China was planning to use this as a bio-war ethics. In other words, they're using this. And people say, oh, you're you're crazy. No, this is all documented in his book. And I hope and pray we can get him on. Your thoughts, Jess? Oh, Terry, this has also been stated by dozens and dozens of doctors from uh, America Frontline Doctors, yep. that, that this is exactly a bioweapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and there's a lot of these doctors that have actually, uh, again, they know exactly what uh, this, uh, you know, what, what came out of the Wuhan virus lab. Uh, this is, for example, you got Dr. Lee Merritt from American Front, Frontline Doctors. He said that this is a bioweapon. Uh, he's not the only one, I guess. He, he, there's a whole bunch of other doctors. You got... Dr. Michael McDowell. Yep. He says this is a genetic bioweapon. You've got Dr. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I just got a whole word file here. Dr. Jane Ruby uh, said this is a bioweapon. 
Yep. Uh, yeah, Terry. So Steve Wood is tracking exactly with a lot of medical doctors. Yeah, we we've There's, got him calling in right now. Jess, just give us a minute. Keep continue, but we're gonna yeah, get him in momentarily. We got about five things that that uh, Steve is going to demonstrate. He's going to demonstrate that there's mountains of evidence that the COVID-19 pandemic originated in a Wuhan lab, not yep. a wet market. That's right. He's also going to demonstrate what life was like under the plagues of the past and how these compare to COVID-19. He's also going to demonstrate how communist governments profit economically and strategically from international plagues. He's also going to show the Chinese Communist Party source documents exposing how the CCP government has bioengineered viruses to wreak global havoc. And finally, what he's going to show is the long-established rules of epi- epidemiology, epidemiology, yes. I said it. You said it right. And pandemic response yep. thrown out the window in the panic over COVID-19 and more. And uh, Steve, he proposes that the next pandemic may not be the most devastating plague ever, but another viral panic may turn it into one. And so in his book, The Politically Incorrect Guide to Pandemics, it puts the risk into perspective, exploring pandemics from prehistoric days to the present. And it shows how we as Americans can better deal with dangerous pandemics in the future, Terry. Wow, wow. We're going to take a quick break in a couple minutes, but we're waiting for Steve to call in. Had some difficulties, but we're not giving up, folks. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We've got Stephen Mosner coming on. As just said, he's the president of the Population Research Institute. I get his newsletter every week, and I would encourage our listeners right now to get that. Go to his website and check it out because it's always got good information, high information regarding our faith and also the pandemic of COVID-19. He gives you straight talk there. Terry, somebody else that uh, says that the yeah. uh, virus came from Wuhan is Mike Pompeo, former oh, yeah. Secretary of State. He should know. Yeah, he said there's a quote. Mike Pompeo says there's enormous evidence yep. that the coronavirus emerged from a lab in Wuhan. The, uh, he said that's where this began. Mike Pompeo said we've seen the fact that they kicked out journalists. Yep. We saw the fact that those who were trying to report on this, medical professionals inside of China, they were silenced. Stephen Mosier, Terry Barber, and Jess Romero. Are you there, my brother? I see Stephen. I see Stephen, too. All right, we're going to get him on after the break. Stephen, Terry Barber, and Jess Romero. I don't know if you remember the days of Father Paul Marks at Human Life International, but I sure remember you then. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's been a few years. But, Only a few uh, years. <laughs> I think very kindly of uh, my, my mentor, oh, uh, Father Paul Marks, frequently, and ask for his prayers. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Stephen, we're going to take a quick break right now. We're going to get right into your book. Uh, so stay with us, folks. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. This is going to be a high-information conversation with Stephen Mosner regarding his book on the pandemic, the, the politically incorrect to pandemic. And this book was going to expose the Chinese in a way that maybe you didn't know before. So stay with us, family. We'll be back. We're not just going to have Stephen on for a segment. We're going to have him on for the next three segments. because This information is critical for us to know. And it's what the truth is. What the truth is what sets us free. Stay with us here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio, the Terry and Jesse Show. We're too blessed to be stressed. We're too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, we'd be billionaires. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. 
Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Terry and Jesse show. We're here with Steve Mosher from Population Research Institute. Steve is a best-selling author, and he just wrote a book called The Politically Incorrect Guide to Pandemics. We have a whole lot of things to talk to him about, and he's the man that can answer questions on all things China. So, Steve, welcome to the show. What is the origin of COVID-19? We want to know. <laughs> the, the origin of COVID-19 yes. is the Wuhan Institute of Virology, located go. in Wuhan, Hubei province, the People's Republic of China. But how it got there and the various uh, ways that we supported that lab, we meaning the United States, and we handed over the technology makes for a fascinating tale because the Wuhan Institute of Virology people, people like Dr. Shi Zhengli, would not have been able to create this virus if they hadn't been educated in the United States at labs funded by Dr. Anthony Fauci in how to do gain-of-function uh, research and genetic engineering. They learned that at U.S. labs at the University of North Carolina, uh, run by the lab run by Ralph Barrick there. They learned it at the University of Texas, the Galveston Labs, where Dr. Shi Zhang Li, the head of the Wuhan Institute of Virology, spent some time. So the techniques were developed by the United States, by U.S. taxpayers, and then handed over to Chinese researchers, uh, some of whom uh, were working for the People's Liberation Army's bioweapons program. And then to make matters worse, not only did we train them in gain-of-function techniques, we were actually funding the labs uh, by several different mechanisms. Uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci uh, was, uh, was sending money indirectly through what I believe were cutouts, uh, like the uh, EcoHealth Alliance uh, run by Richard Dazek. Some of the money went through, through the EcoHealth Alliance to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. So, so when the Chinese Communist Party says uh, that America uh, released a virus on China, uh, they're not telling the truth, of course, but there are some strands that connect it back to uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci and the National Institutes of Health. So we really have two questions to resolve and, and two uh, people to demand accountability from. The first is the People's Republic of China for creating and releasing the China virus on the world. The second thing, of course, is uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci and other people at the National Institutes of Health who were funding this dangerous research and training uh, PL PLA scientists to do it. So there are two areas that we need to have answers to and we need to demand accountability for. Without either area, this wouldn't have happened. This, this pandemic purgatory that we've been living through for the last two and a half years would not have happened. Stephen, you pretty much answered this next question, but I want to ask double this question. Was COVID-19 deliberately uh, up, released upon the world by the Chinese government party? And did they, is it true that these folks in China made sure that um, airports, airplane, people flying, the flights were able to go to Italy and other parts of the world, but they wouldn't let people in Wuhan fly to parts of China? Is that a, is that a fair statement? Uh, yeah, it is. Let, let's take those questions in order. The first question is, uh, was it deliberately released upon the world and or did it leak out of the lab? You know, those are the sure. two possibilities sure. that we're told. And, and the answer is really both, uh, because I believe that that the coronavirus that I call the China virus that causes COVID-19 
The actual virus name is SARS-CoV-2, but let's, let's just shorten that to the China virus because Amen. that helps us identify where it came from. And the China virus was actually ready to go in 2019. But as the head of China's bioweapons program, Major General Chen Wei has said in a secret speech, Major General Chen Wei said this, first you need the spear, then you need to develop a shield. The spear was the coronavirus. It was ready, a bioweapon, ready in 2019. But they couldn't release the spear without protecting their own people with a shield, which would be the vaccine. Mm -hmm. So they were working on a vaccine, not an mRNA vaccine, by the way, just a traditional attenuated vaccine, a weakened version of the real virus. And they were working on that when, as sometimes happens, I believe that the virus escaped during vaccine trials. Mm -hmm which can happen because you're using a weakened form of the real virus and sometimes people actually come down with the real disease and the pandemic was off and running in China. So it leaked during vaccine trials, but it was deliberately spread by the Communist Party around the world at that point. They realized they had an epidemic on their hands and they didn't want to endure it alone. So they, they generously shared it with the rest of the world. And I, I went back in February of 2020, you asked about the flights. Yes. Uh, you asked about those flights. I went back to a, a, uh, a service called Flight Aware, and I bought all the data on the flights from Wuhan to other parts of the world. And yes, you can see very clearly in the data from Flight Aware, which tracks all the flights everywhere in the world, that the flights from Wuhan to Shanghai and, and Beijing and Guangzhou and other Chinese cities were stopped. And those flights were still allowed to go to places like Milan, uh, Madrid, yep. and uh, New York City, all of which became early hotspots of the pandemic. But to go back to your, your first question, sure. you know, was it a leak or was it deliberately released? The answer is both. And I, you know, it leaked during vaccine trials, and then it was deliberately spread around the world. And it's not the it's not the the, the first time that the Chinese Communist Party's done this. Steve, let me let me ask this: since you you are an expert in this field, in the field of China and communism, is the Chinese Communist Party are they the most dangerous political party in the world? And you know, I'm, I'm comparing them also to uh, Islamic terrorist regimes. I'm comparing them to maybe other communist uh, countries like you know Cuba, North Korea. Is China are the most dangerous political party in the world right now uh, for us as Americans, even and, and, and even for the free world at large? Well, I, I would say the Chinese Communist Party is not a political party. It, it is a it is an organized uh, criminal conspiracy. Okay. It is an international terrorist organization. There you go. It has 96 million members, so it's the largest political organization in the world. It is also uh, the biggest killing machine in human history because mm -hmm. since the founding of the People's Republic of China, if you go back and you total up all the people who've died during the land reform, during the purging of the nationalists, during the attacks on Ch the capitalists, uh, during the Great Leap Forward, the famine after the Great Leap yep. Forward, the Cultural Revolution, the persecution of the Falun Gong, Catholics, Christians, Buddhists, uh, everybody under the sun sequentially. If you add up the total number of victims, you come up, I believe, with a number around 100 million. Okay. Then then you, you have to add in the victims of the one-child policy because 
there were hundreds of millions of little babies killed before birth, sometimes immediately before birth, when there were seven, eight, and nine months gestation, and killed after birth. Uh, the Minister of Health of the People's Republic of China admitted back in 2012 that they had eliminated 400 million people from China's population uh, by means of the one-child policy. That's 400 million little victims of the policy that I exposed back in 1980. So add the 400 million to the 100 million uh, people killed during the various political campaigns, which still continue today, of course, in China. And you have a total death toll of 500 million people. That's a half a billion, billion people. That's, uh, you know, that, so I call the Chinese Communist Party the biggest killing machine in human history. It is an absolute danger, uh, first and foremost to the, the Chinese people who've suffered from it, but to the rest of the world as well. Well said, Stephen. Uh, how is the current pandemic different from all the previous pandemics you demonstrate in your book? Yeah, well, uh, there are a number of ways, but but let's talk about first about one way that it's similar okay. to previous pandemics, because it turns out that the Chinese Communist Party has a history of deliberately releasing pandemics on the world. <laughs> now, let's go back to 1958. Some of us may remember the Asian flu in 1958. It didn't come from some anonymous country in Asia. It came from the southwest province of Guizhou in China. Uh, China knew it had a dangerous new variant of the Spanish flu uh, percolating throughout its population, but it said nothing in 1958. It did not notify the World Health Organization. It did not notify uh, health authorities in any country outside of China. It hid the epidemic until it became a global pandemic. It was only uh, several years later that we were able to trace it back to China. Wow. So again, I call that a deliberate release of a pandemic on the world. Same thing happened in 1967 and 68 with the so-called Hong Kong flu. Some people may remember having that. Another offshoot of the Spanish flu, um, and it, it killed you know a million people worldwide. It, that would be about three million in today's population numbers. And it started in China, it's called the Hong Kong flu. The people in Hong Kong, by the way, were furious that it was called the Hong Kong flu because they knew quite well that it had originated across the border in mainland China, yeah. and that the Chinese Communist Party had covered it up. Again, didn't tell the World Health Organization, didn't notify anybody, allowed people to travel out of China with the disease, and it became a pandemic and, and sickened and killed a lot of people around the world. Then we get to the real, real telling example, which is the SARS-1 epidemic. Now, we're living through the SARS-2 pandemic, okay? But there was a SARS-1 back in 2002-2003, November 16th of 2002, a snake handler, a snake seller, in the south uh, Chinese city of Guangzhou uh, became sick uh, from handling snakes, selling snakes, eating snake meat, we don't know. He died fairly quickly. Thousands and thousands of people died in China over the next few weeks. This thing was highly infectious. It was a snake coronavirus not a bat coronavirus, a snake coronavirus. <laughs> and what did the Chinese Communist Party do? Well, they hid it from the world. They silenced whistleblowers. When they were asked if they had an epidemic on their hands, they, they denied it. It was only because the Canadian intelligence service picked up wire transmissions about a deadly new flu in China that the world was warned. And then we went in March of, of the following year, 
and we pressured the Chinese Communist Party. We said, look, we know there's something going on in China. Tell us what it is. And they admitted that, you know, they had a snake coronavirus that had passed over into humans naturally this time, not through genetic engineering, but naturally, this was early days, right, 2003. But they didn't tell us. And then when they were called on it, Terry, when, 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 when we accused them of having uh, spread a dangerous pandemic around the world, what did they say? Well, they said, quote, a foreign agent released a bioweapon in China. Of course they so say that. So they blamed it on us. But think about that. Everything yeah. that happened in 2019 and 2020 actually happened back in 2002 and 2003 wow. with the SARS-1 pandemic. And if it hadn't been for the Canadians paying attention, we would have had a global pandemic and, and millions and millions of deaths at that time. We should have been ready for another pandemic from China, either natural or genetically engineered. Even Communist Party had did it three times before. Amen. Well said. We're going to take a quick break. I hear the music. This is High Information on China with Stephen Mosner. Get his new book. You got to pick that up, The Politically Incorrect to Pandemics. We'll be back with more, family. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888 888- Five two six two one five one. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. We got the pleasure of having Steve Mosher, president of the Population Research Institute, a leading authority on China. His latest book, The Politically Incorrect Guide to Pandemics. Uh, Steve is an encyclopedia of knowledge when it comes to this topic, all things China. Steve, how? Uh, what does our pandemic here in the U.S.? What's the future of this pandemic, and, and what's their end game? When's it going to stop, and, 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 and what's the future hold for this pandemic? <laughs> well, I, I don't think that uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci or Dr. Francis Collins uh, are, are ever going to stop. I don't think that Big Pharma uh, is going to want to stop making billions of dollars uh, from selling uh, mRNA vaccines to us. I don't think that many political actors in the United States, whether they be mayors uh, of cities or, or governors of states like California um, or, or national leaders uh, in the White House, want to give up the emergency powers that they get from declaring uh, that we're in the middle of a pandemic. In fact, they, they just declared another one now, yeah. another emergency because of monkeypox, which I'm not the least bit worried about because I've been happily married. Uh, <laughs> Me too, brother. <laughs> That's funny. So, uh, yeah. So, so uh, there are a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of a- intersecting agendas here. Yeah. A lot of people have benefited from locking us down, yeah. uh, locking us out of, locking our kids out of school and, and generally uh, controlling our lives. And so, so, um, but, I, but I would say this, if you look at the history of pandemics, yes, Generally, when you get to about 25, 30, 35 percent of the population having had a virus uh, and having developed as a result natural immunity, that's when the epidemic goes away. That's what happened with the Spanish flu mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. in 1917, 18 and 19. Now, this was a very deadly flu. It killed an estimated 50 million people around the world. Wow. But, yeah, so far worse, far, far worse than the the China virus, in terms of total number of people killed. Uh, and and uh, 
but when we reached about 30% of the population having had the Spanish flu, didn't, oh, by the way, it wasn't the Spanish, it didn't come from Spain, no. came from China, came from China. Interesting. But once about 30% of the population had had the Spanish flu, the, the virus couldn't find uh, new hosts fast enough to continue replicating to stay alive as a, as a pandemic. And so it gradually died out. Now, two points here. Yes. One is I mentioned that it came from China. How do we know that? Well, we know that because we traced it back genetically to a, an outbreak of a severe flu in the North China Plain of China and Northern China uh, back in, in the winter of 1916, 1917. So how did it get from the North China Plain to Europe, which people think is the, the epicenter of the Spanish flu? Well, it got there because the French and the British hired a couple hundred thousand workers from China to dig the trenches. We all know about trench warfare in World War I. They had very elaborate trenches, right? And, and these workers were brought in from North China where there was a raging epidemic into France, through Great Britain, through Canada, all of which became hotspots of what became known as the Spanish flu. Called the Spanish flu, by the way, because wartime censorship prevented the newspapers in America, Canada, Great Britain and France from mentioning there was a, a, a pandemic raging among the troops and a lot of them were dying. And Spain wasn't at war, so the Spanish um, newspapers were able to report freely on the flu, so it became known as the Spanish flu. Should be called the China flu. Sorry, it, it mm. came from China, we know that. Amen. But the, the other point, Terry, is this, very interesting, yeah. is that uh, the Spanish flu is known as the mother of all pandemics, because up until SARS, uh, it had variants from the Spanish flu had caused pandemics in 58, the 67, 68, Hong Kong flu and so forth. And most of the seasonal flus that we get every year, we don't panic over, we don't lock down over, we don't close down the schools over. Most of the seasonal flus are actually descendants of the Spanish flu, but it doesn't kill 50 million people anymore. Why? Because the variants are less deadly. They're highly infectious, but they're less deadly because it's a very a uh, short-sighted virus that kills its host too quickly before it can spread. Stephen, you got a PhD in common sense. I mean, this just, I just can't believe what is going on in our country with what you're saying. Before I ask your next question, I get your newsletter, your email newsletter. Can you tell people how they can get that each week? Uh, they can get it by going on our website at uh, pop.org, P-O-P dot O-R-G. I'm a pop. I have nine children, but pop in short... <laughs> Population Research Institute, uh, which was founded by Father Paul Marks yeah. back in 1991. I remember. And I worked with Father for 20 years, uh, loved the man. He helped to bring me into the Catholic faith, taught me the Catholic faith, yep. taught my wife and I natural family planning, which is why we have all these children. <laughs> uh, but wonderful man. We lost him in, in, in 2010 to this world, but of course we gained a saint in heaven. So uh, pop.org, uh, go on the website. Great. Um, Great. Stephen, what was the first pandemic in human history? That's, is that in your book? I assume it is. Well, it is. I mean, you know, we, we don't know when the first pandemic in human history is, really, because um, we don't have a written record of the early years of human history. Mm -hmm. We do know that in North China, about 5,000 years ago, in a place called Hamanmanga, uh, there was a deadly uh, epidemic that wiped out entire villages. And we know that because we've done excavations uh, I was once an anthropologist, so, you know, um, I, I 
studied anthropology uh, at, and taught it actually at the University of California at Berkeley, um, at Stanford University as well. So um, they, they found we've excavated villages in North China where the entire population apparently died. You find young middle-aged uh, elderly people um, all buried in, in a common grave, uh, which was then burned because you, why do you burn it? You burn it because you think that maybe fire can stop the spread of the disease that's killing everybody. That's 5,000 years ago. Uh, the one that's uh, in recorded history, Western history, of course, is the plague of Athens. The plague of Athens, which weakened Athens and probably caused it to lose the, the war with Sparta, the Peloponnesian War. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was in the plague of Athens, several hundred years before the birth of Christ, wow. that we wow. learned about natural immunity. Mm -hmm. We've known about natural immunity. Dr. Anthony Fauci seems to have forgotten about natural immunity. Yeah. The CDC yeah. has been downplaying natural immunity. The FDA has been downplaying natural immunity. But our God-given immune system is capable of a very robust response to viruses and bacteria. And once the body overcomes it, uh, you have lifelong protection against at least the original strain. So in the plague of Athens, uh, which may have been smallpox, uh, people understood that once they survived, uh, they were immune. And so the people who survived became caregivers to those who were falling ill. Wow. Um, natural immunity has been around for a long, long time, since, since the creation. We are, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, Terry. Amen. I love it. I love it. Jess. Yes, yeah, so uh, Steve, you, an you answered the question about uh, what was the first pandemic in human history. We don't know because we don't have uh, we don't have records going that far back. But how does an epidemic become a pandemic? Well, it, it, it uh, an epidemic is is uh, is an outbreak of a disease within a certain population. A pandemic, pan of course, meaning universal. Pandemic is an, is an epidemic that has spread beyond national borders and where almost all the continents are affected. The, it's, a global, it's a global disease. And we certainly have uh, been living through a pandemic over the last uh, two and a half years. And we almost had a pandemic on our hands with the first uh, coronavirus uh, back in 2003 had we not uh, identified what was going on in China. And we had a few cases in the United States and Canada and other countries, but we stopped it from becoming a pandemic by closing down travel and by, uh, by identifying the disease early. Um, that could easily have become a pandemic as well. Stephen, I have a question that's uh, just coming to my mind about, is this pandemic, I mean, I, I, I saw your article in, in the LifeSite News about the issue, uh, is, was it genetically engineered to use it as a bio weapon and i saw the 2015 document what's your take on that is that did the chinese really want this to to really devastate america and the free world well uh, you know the um the chinese communist party has had a bioweapons program in place almost from the founding wow. of the people's republic of china all right mm -hmm. they took over the bioweapons facilities in manchuria that were run by the Japanese in World War II. Now, I have to say, wow. the Japanese Imperial Army had bioweapons facilities. They were dropping, in World War II, uh, when they invaded uh, China, they were dropping uh, anthrax I didn't know uh, on Chinese cities. Uh, they were dropping uh, fleas infected with the bubonic plague uh, on Chinese cities. So that was the first episode of really serious biological warfare, killed hundreds of thousands of people. Those labs were taken over 
by the Chinese Communist Party and have remained in operation since then. Mm. But what happened in 2000, of course, was it became possible for the first time to actually genetically engineer a virus, to go in, take an existing virus, and start splicing in new sections, new sections of, of genome to make it more infectious and more deadly. That's called gain-of-function research. Wow. And the, the, the big advocate of gain-of-function research was none other than Dr. Anthony Fauci. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not deliberately picking on Anthony, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Uh, I'm just pointing out that for the last 20 years, he's been absolutely obsessed with using gain-of-function research to do what? Well, his idea was, we're going to create Frankenstein viruses in the lab. We're going to create monster viruses in the lab with the idea of then, once we have them, uh, developing vaccines to stop them in their tracks. So that once we have a panoply of vaccines, we will then be ready for the next zoonosis, the next virus that crosses over from a bat or a pangolin or a snake or whatever animal to humans. We'll be ready for it. We'll have a vaccine almost ready, nearly ready. Wow. And, and wiser heads than Tony Fauci uh, said to him, <laughs> Tony, that's really not a very good idea because what happens if your monster virus in the lab gets out of the lab before you have a vaccine against it, before you can protect the population? Wouldn't you cause a pandemic? And so that's why they banned the research in 2017 in the United States. Wow. Let me jump in, Steve. We've got to take a quick break. I want you to repeat that when we come back on the other side of that break. That's an amazing story. Stay with us, family, here on The Terry and Jesse Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Interview with Steve Mosher, president of the Population Research Institute, leading authority in China. Steve, what, I'll tell you what concerns me as a uh, red-blooded American, as a Roman Catholic Christian lover of Christ, is that I know that pandemics kill people. Obviously, you've recorded it in your book, smallpox, bubonic plague, Spanish flu, other deadly viruses. But what concerns me is that we're committing, the, we're committing what I would call the suicide of the West. Pandemics also kill empires. Isn't that correct? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and the best example of that uh, uh, comes from uh, the... Uh, the plague of, uh, of uh, Justinian, uh, the bubonic plague, because the emperor Justinian, who was the last emperor, Roman emperor, to be truly called the great, um, you know, he built the Hagia Sophia, the greatest church in Christendom, uh, which now stands in the center of, uh, once stood in the center of Constantinople, now called uh, Istanbul. Um, he was well on his way towards reassembling the Roman Empire. He had conquered much of Italy. He had conquered North Africa. He had a foothold in Spain. Uh, France would have been next. And then what happened? A plague came from the east. It came once again from China and uh, spread from Egypt up to Constantinople, killed a third of the population of the city, spread quickly throughout the Roman army barracks. Uh, barracks are just plague central when something like this happens. And after that, Justinian was on the defensive uh, for the rest of his rule. And the uh, the Byzantine Empire never really... Uh, 
you know, recovered from that uh, the first episode of what later became known as the Black Death. Had it not happened, um, you know, the uh, the the Byzantine Empire would not only have defeated the Sassanid Empire, they probably would have defeated uh, the the rise of uh, of uh, Mohammed and okay. Islam as well. So it did certainly change the course of history and Christian history in Eastern uh, in Eastern Europe and and uh, the Eastern Mediterranean certainly. Steve, they also changed the course of history in this country because they used the same tactic against Donald Trump exactly. to try to turn you know, most of the country against them and saying this guy doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know how to handle a pandemic. We need somebody new. We need some fresh blood. They used the same tactic against Trump, didn't they? Well, absolutely. And that's why I believe one of the reasons why the Chinese Communist Party decided to deliberately release the pandemic on the world was because they knew that there was an election coming up in the United States, and they greatly preferred to see uh, in office uh, Joe Biden because they had a close business relationship with his son, Hunter Biden, having given him uh, many, many sweetheart deals over the past 10 years. So uh, obviously, the, uh, the, if you, if, and if you read, and this is all in the book, of course, but if you read the propaganda coming from the Chinese Communist Party in in the spring and summer of 2020 before the election. And you read some of the statements of Joe Biden, uh, they're almost identical. I mean, they're, wow. uh, it's, it's, uh, it's incredible how um, the left in this country uh, saw the, an opportunity in what the communists had done to the United States and used it for their own political advantage. I think clearly that had it not been for the pandemic, we people need to remember we had gas for two dollars a gallon. Maybe not in California, but in in Florida we had gas for under two dollars a gallon. We had uh, a thriving economy. We had record low unemployment rates for for all groups in America. Uh, we had uh, the southern border under control. Everything was moving. We were energy independent. Uh, everything was moving along swimmingly until uh, China released a a deadly virus on the world. And yeah, it it changed the course of American history. Absolutely. Stephen, don't you also agree that uh, the tariffs that um, President Trump had put against China, they were, you know, millions and billions of dollars were not going in their pockets because of Trump. Didn't that also play a role? They, they wouldn't want to see more of that, I imagine. No, and, and the Biden administration is talking about lifting the tariffs in order to combat inflation, which is about the most ridiculous thing I've heard, because uh, <laughs> we know that They've raised taxes. We know that they're micromanaging the economy. We know they've shut down the energy sector of the economy and greatly increased the price of uh, goods, not just uh, filling up your car, but the price of food and everything else depends on having cheap and readily available energy. Um, the, um, the, what, what Trump's tariffs did was it began to move back factories and factory jobs, high paying factory jobs back to the United States. I love it. That was well underway in, in 2020 when it was again short-circuited by the release of the China virus. So once again, there was an economic advantage to China. Yeah. And if you think about it, uh, China benefited politically. It benefited economically from the release of the virus. They have not paid any price for releasing a deadly virus on the world. And unless there is accountability, unless they are held responsible, unless they pay reparations, to everybody who lost a family member who became ill from the China virus or who had to shutter a business or lost a business because of the China virus, it, unless they pay a heavy price for doing that, uh, 
Why wouldn't they do it again? Amen. Jesse? Steve, is, are, are Russia and China, are they friends or they just tolerate each other? Or do they are this just jockeying for power to see, uh, uh, you know, who can leverage power over the other one? Are they allies? Are they uh, and, and are they is Russia is as evil as China in terms of uh, their uh, as a result of the communism? Well, uh, Jesse, our, our policy for decades was to make sure that we never faced a united Russia and China. Because if you combine China's population with Russia's natural resources, you create a, a center of power capable of dominating the entire world. So our policy has been for a long time to try to drive a wedge between Russia and China. That's why we, uh, Henry Kissinger went to China back in, and, and Richard Nixon went to China in 1972 mm-hmm. to, to drive a wedge between Russia and China and make sure that the Sino-Soviet Pact, which was in existence in the 50s, never reformed. Well, now, because of what I believe are the missteps of the Biden administration, we see China and Russia drawing closer together. We see them forming an alliance of convenience. Are they true allies? Well, I don't think one-party dictatorships can ever be true allies one with another. They're always, they're, they're merely allies of convenience, but we have helped to drive them together because China is now buying Russian grain, if, if we're not. Uh, China is now buying Russian oil uh, because we banned it from many Western countries. So we've driven these two powerful countries together and we've created, we've created once again a monster uh, that we're going to have to deal with now for the next, I don't know, the next decade. Stephen, why have Christians been so persecuted in this current pandemic? What's the story on that? Well, you know, Christians have always played a leading role in history throughout uh, pandemics. Uh, Christians, uh, we talked about the plague of Justinian, 600 AD. Uh, It was Christians who opened up hospitals and hospices. It was Christians who stayed in the city centuries later during the Black Death. St. Catherine of Siena, for example. When the city fathers of Siena fled in fear from the bubonic plague, what did St. Catherine do? She stayed there. She opened the hospital. She took care of the sick and dying, nursed many of them back to health. So Christians have always played a major role uh, in pandemics throughout history because, after all, um, death, where is thy sting? You know, I'm, I'm not afraid to die. I'm, I'm hopefully going to be promoted at that point Amen. Uh, to, to, to a better place. <laughs> so, um, and, and this time, however, was different. Because this time, the political powers that be decided to target Christians. They decided to close our churches, uh, not allow us together uh, for worship services. Uh, they, you know, I, I believe the, these were all calculated, targeted attacks oh, yeah. on the political opposition of the current uh, leader of, uh, of the United States. Uh, small business, Christians, um, those are, are centers of support for limited government and the rule of law and, uh, and a free republic. And, and they were all targeted. Big, the, the big box stores were allowed to stay open, right? Yep. But the right. small mom and pop stores were all shuttered. Of course. Of course. Steve, Steve, I'll tell you what concerns me right now is that we see an alliance. I mean, we see the Fatima prophecies. Russia will spread her errors. Communism is one of the chief errors of Russia back in 1917. And right now we see the heirs of Russia insert inside a political party in the U.S., the Democrat Party. We also see this nexus, this alliance uh, with, with the Vatican, 
and communist China. Uh, that concerns me, Steve. I mean, have we ever seen have we ever seen this type of uh, this type of uh, nexus with evil uh, at the highest places in the church? Well, there, there's a lot in that question. One, <laughs> one, one, one thought that I have about this is that you know the enemy within uh, is is probably now more dangerous than the enemy without. The enemy without China, you can see. Uh, you can see its military buildup. You can see its threats against Taiwan. You can see the theft of intellectual property, uh, the ongoing spying, espionage in the United States, the corruption of American officials at the federal and state level. All that, you know, we know. But the corruption within uh, is more deadly. It's it's almost uh, the a difference between the a disease of the skin and a disease of the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, China is kind of a disease of the skin. Uh, right now, it's it's it, it can make you uncomfortable. It's it's gradually attacking us. Uh, but but we have within this own within our own country, we have a disease of the heart, and uh, heart disease can kill you. If we lose our First Amendment rights, the free, freedom of conscience, freedom of association, freedom of assembly, freedom of speech, yep. uh, the last great hope of mankind mankind will be lost. Well said. Stephen, I want to recommend other books that you have written. Just Google Stephen Mosier's name, but Why China's Dream is a New Threat to the World Order, A Journey to the Forbidden China, uh, A Mother's Ordeal, One uh, Woman's Fight Against China's One-Child Policy, Population Control. Uh, All these books that you have written, I would encourage everyone to get get any of those because they're going to benefit from that. What are your final thoughts? What, What can we do as as uh, committed Christian Catholics who love the Lord, what recommendations would you give us? Well, I think I think that the the, the falling away from the Christian faith uh, in the United States is well underway. Uh, I think we have to get young people back into church and yeah. and and get get the uh, get the smartphones out of their hands. Yeah. Uh, we do that with our family and our friends. I think we all have to be active in the political process now because I do think freedom is threatened in this country in a way that we haven't seen before. And, uh, you know, get active at your local level. Elect members of the school Got it. Stephen, Stephen, I want to jump in and say thanks again for joining us here on the Terry and Jesse Show. Jesse, I always ask you, what state should we be living in, brother? What's the state? Well, Steve alluded to it. Live in a state of sanctifying grace. Don't live in a state of mortal sin. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Pray your rosary every day. Be holy or die trying. What else is there? And remember, Our Lady said souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray for them. Please, you can participate in the salvific work of Jesus Christ. Offer your sufferings for the salvation of souls. Pray that rosary every day. And like Jess said, Steve said, live in the state of grace. What else is there? Thank you so much, and may God richly bless you and your family.